0: Hey everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at the Wells Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege and opportunity to speak your word this morning. Uh, Lord, I ask that you'd anoint my lips to bring forth your word and your truth. Lord, I ask that you would inspire us, convict us, teach us, train us, and equip us with your word. And we thank you for your word. We cherish it and we receive it. And Lord, may it only be preached as truth here in this house. And we ask this in the precious name. It's above every other name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you have a Bible with you, why don't you turn it to 2 Peter. It's the second book of Peter. It will be in chapter 3. And Then you can stick your finger in there. We're going to do a little Bible thing because I believe it and I believe it. Uh, you can speak into the narrative of your life. Amen. And so let's declare this. This is my Bible. I'm going to be who it says I can be. It was written for me, for my correction, my direction, and my soon coming resurrection. Oh, Lord... Be it unto me, according to your word, in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Second Peter chapter three, pick it up in verse one. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds in a way of reminder. So, Peter is writing this letter. That's what an epistle is. He's writing this letter and he's uh, conveying to them, and he has, an, he has an intent, he has a purpose of what he wants to do. He wants to stir up their pure mind. Now, I don't know about you, but there's enough ways in this world to stir up your, your evil mind or your dirty mind or your, your hateful mind or your negative mind. Come on, am I right? And that's kind of the mindset. Matter of fact, if you go into the music realm or you go into the entertainment realm, you go into the advertising agencies, you go into all these aspects, they're trying to stir your mind to get subliminal inside of them to get a message. And so Peter, way back when, he's saying, hey, I need to stir up your pure mind. I need your pure mind uh, uh, moving. I need it working. I I need it vibrant. I need it expressive. I need your mind to be working. That's where most, if not all, of your battlefield is, yeah. it really starts in your mind and all these portals that uh, whether it's what you eat. Or, you know, I, I share this quite often. My children's like, I don't like that. You get hungry enough, you'll like it, yeah. right? Uh, and in our mind, uh, you know, uh, children with their with their devices in front of them, and you and you talk to them, and you're a voice of authority, you're a voice of reason, you're a voice of love in their life, and you you call their name, and they will not even it's stirring something up in their mind. Something spinning inside of their mind. And and so the word of God can stir up your pure mind. The word of God teaches us to call on the Lord with those who call on the Lord with a lot of doubt, with a lot of hatred, with a lot of resentment. No, no, no. To call on the Lord with those who call on the Lord with a pure mind. Not a mind who curses the preacher, but a mind who respects the preacher. Not a mind that curses the nation, but a mind that, a pure mind. We need to have a pure mind there. And Peter is trying to stir that up. In the ways of remembrance. So he's writing this second letter to him. But notice how he addressed this last chapter, as we put it in, in uh, 2 Peter 3. He says, Beloved. Well, that's really simple to break down. In other words, he's saying, You're being loved right now. You're being loved right now, and and I believe that every message ought to be because you're loved, because you're cared for. It it shouldn't be a a message of competition. It shouldn't be a message of embattlement. It shouldn't be a message of, of, of trying to tear something down. It should be that which builds up, that which strengthens, and that which brings and finds a common ground of our own common salvation that we have. And Peter's trying to make this connection. He says, listen, And he said, you're being loved right now. You are the beloved of God. You are chosen. You're created in his image and in his likeness. He wanted you to live this life. You may not be living the life that he wanted you to live, but he wants you to not just live this life, but he wants you to live in eternity with him forever and ever and ever and ever. Somebody say forever. So you're being loved. But sometimes when somebody says, hey, beloved, Just want to let you know I love you before I say what I have to say, right? He's getting ready to say some straightforward things. He's getting ready to say some things that really matter, some things that are really important. And sometimes we have a tendency, especially in church, is to emphasize on the minors and minor on the majors. We have a tendency to leave some really big parts out and just build around what we're comfortable with. It's kind of like your life. It's kind of like your life. You have a tendency to work with the same 10 people all the time, no matter what you're doing. They're your go-to. Why? Because you're comfortable with them. But you might be leaving a major part of somebody who you're not comfortable with that God is saying, you really need this person. And so the same thing is here. As we share some things sometimes, and there's some scriptures that I I could start them and you could finish them. And there's some scriptures I could say, and you wouldn't even know if it's a scripture. Because you don't go there. We don't spend time there. We need to look at some of the more obscure areas in scripture that are very important to our life. So he says, You're being loved. Verse two, he says, That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So he's saying, I want you to be mindful. And what he's making reference to now is the scriptures what has been written and what is being recorded, what has been said and what is being said. He said, you need to be mindful of that. Matter of fact, we have enough, as I said earlier, in this world. I mean, it's amazing to me uh, what statistics people can know of athletes or what, uh, what uh, knowledge they can have of, of what kind of house a movie star lives in or how much they're worth or how many movies they've been in. I mean, I've heard people talk about movies and, and they can like quote lines out. Of them. I mean, literally close lines. And they're not real. The movies aren't even real. The people aren't even real. But it's amazing how much knowledge we have in other things that have no value. They're senseless altogether. But here he's saying, I want you to be knowledgeable, knowledgeable. I want you to be mindful. I want your mind to be full of what the holy prophets said. Some people think, well, the Old Testament that went out. No, no, the Old Testament was a development. The law is changed, the covenant, but the Old Testament is a developmental stage where we learn the nature of God. And those prophets didn't prophesy the past. They prophesied into the future. And they spoke of things to come. He said, I want you to be mindful of what the holy prophets said. I want you to be studious in the midst of his sins. And not only that, you need to know what we're saying. You need to know what the prophets of God were saying, but you also need to know the apostles of Jesus, what they're saying, because they have planted a new covenant. They're developing a new order and a new relationship, and it's so important, and they build upon the other because the church is built first on the apostles and the prophets. He says, so you need to know this stuff. He said, you need to be mindful of these things, that you may be mindful of their words. Being mindful means aware. Everybody say Aware. Knowledgeable, having some sort of understanding. That's what he's saying, that you and I ought to be aware, knowledgeable, and having some sort of understanding. Why do I say some sort of understanding? It's a great question. Uh, Because you're not going to understand everything. You you and I just aren't. It's beyond understanding. It's beyond beyond searching. There's always going to be more. The person who thinks that they've understand it all really don't know anything at all. You know that. It happens that way in your relationships. Mr. and Mrs. know it all. You're like, you don't know anything at all. And you don't want to know anything that they know because everything they know, they already know. He's saying the same thing here. You need to be aware, knowledgeable, and having some sort of understanding. Knowing this first. he's going to put some emphasis out here. Remember, this is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus himself said this. He said, he said, hey, be careful. Don't let anyone deceive you. He said, don't let anyone deceive you. Knowing this first, scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. He's saying, well, I only know if we're in the last days. Friends, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. Now I have scriptural reference for that. Joel prophesied in the last days, and then Peter said, this is what Joel said, we're in the last days, this is that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You see, there wasn't outpourings of the Holy Spirit like this in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, there's not just one, it's what he does. This is what he does. You want to be in environments and atmosphere. It might be a little different. I remember the first time I was in an environment like this, goodness gracious. I was just coming off of drugs and alcohol and we're sitting in the second row. I've told the service story many times and I, and I saw people lifting their hands and I saw people that are smiling at church. That was like crazy to me. I mean, they're, they're kind of moving their bodies a little bit and they came in, they wanted to be at church and I had to have to be at church. They wanted to. let me ask you a question. Do you want to be at church? Yeah. If you don't want to be at church, you don't want to be in heaven because he's, he's saving the church. That's what he's saying. and so these people are all excited, and I saw them. They're lifting hands. They had a choir, and they're lifting hands, and they're doing this number and that number, you know. And and I thought, what's this thing? You know, this is weird. So one Sunday, I thought, well, let's give it a shot, and I did the whole finger lift. You know, I was like, yes. <laughs> Next week, I was kind of about here, you know, kind of in here, and then finally one week, I thought, I'm just going for it, and I lifted my hands up. Whew, this mighty rushing wind flow, flowed over me. And I was like, whoa, this is incredible. Now I know why they're doing this. went on for like three weeks. And then finally one time I opened my eyes and there's this big air vent up there. And I thought, well, he probably laughed too. But I haven't stopped lifting my hands because there's freedom in that. Knowing this first, scoffers are coming in the last days. Walking according to their own lust, their own desires, their own desires, and they'll be saying something, and they'll say, "Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation." So they'll go more for for science and and, and for for earthly matters and biological things, uh, but they're going to be saying, they're, they're, "He's not coming back," and they're going to be promoting an aspect of, "Don't worry about Jesus's return." And Jesus said, "Don't let anyone deceive you." They're saying the same thing here. Be careful of false teachers. Be careful, Jesus uh, I told them, be careful of, of wolves in sheep clothing. Yeah. They're saying, be careful because wolves will come in and steal the sheep. There'll be voices that look like they believe, but they don't really believe. He said, beware of scoffers, which would be mockers, which in essence is voices that may distract you from believing in his return. Verse five, we'll get to some of this. For this they, they willfully forget. For this they willfully forget. Did you know that you could willfully forget something? You could literally choose and make your mind up. You're not going to remember something. You're going to forget something. Put it out. Put it out of your mind. If you ever had somebody tell you that, just put it out of your mind, whatever it is, and put it out of your mind. And you put it out of your mind. And next thing you know, you forget all about it. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old. Now, notice what is being said here. This they willfully forget. So it means they knew it. They knew at one time this truth that Peter is saying. He's literally saying they knew that it was the word of God that created the heavens and the earth. They knew that. But they willfully chose not to believe that. I know people who were, who were born again uh, uh, of Christians and, and ministers of the Gospels, Armenians. I mean, they really believed in salvation and, and Jesus, the way, the truth, and life, and now they're universalists. Yeah. Yeah. They have literally chosen to, 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 to neglect that, to deny that, and to say that everybody goes to heaven no matter what. Yeah. That's not truth. It's not truth. That's uh, They have willfully have chosen to forget some truth in the Bible. This exists in our day. That by the word of God, heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water in the water, by which the world then existed, perished. Did you know that the world perished at one time? It did, at the flood of Noah. At the flood of Noah. Being flooded with water, but the heavens and the earth... Which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. It's not gonna be flooded again, but it is gonna be consumed and destroyed. This earth is gonna melt and the heavens are all gonna change. Why? Because there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. He's saying here, don't forget, keep in mind and maintain a knowing the heavens and the earth were created by the word of God. I think it's important to realize that this, this word has it was, was created the earth, and now it's preserving the earth. This same word is going to be the word that judges you, that judges you. He says, but beloved, he's reminding them, you're being loved. You're being loved. I want you to know something. I, I've, I've come to a realization I don't know that I've loved you enough. I don't know that I've loved you as best as I can. I came to that realization by realizing I can love you more and I can love you better. That's the realization that I'm coming to. Boy, it's getting quiet in here. I love you. I love this church. I love you people. There's a bunch of you to love. I'm going to love you the best I can. But, you know, we all can love each other better. We can all be better loved. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing. You don't tell somebody not to forget something if they're not able to forget. He said, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, a day is a thousand years, is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So, in other words, he's saying it may feel like and seem like forever, but it could be today or tomorrow. I don't think you got that. You you can look at it mathematically, and I have for years. But then all of a sudden, preparing to speak to you what he had been preparing me to speak for him, I started to realize something. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day to God, in other words, you're sitting here going, Maybe he's not coming back. It's only been two days since Jesus is here. And it may seem like forever that it's not real. But the reality is. He could come today or tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow to him would be like a thousand years, and he can step out of eternity and come down on the Mount Alved and, and, and redeem the world. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be a little bit closer than we realize. might seem like it's far off, but that's where you get mistaken and scoffers and mockers, and he's not coming back. He's not coming back. Verse 12, looking for... Well, let me, let me go back to verse, I'm sorry, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any perish, but that all should come to repentance. Listen, you, you and I ought to be repentful-minded. We ought to remember, and this is where church gets in sometimes and has messed things up, that just because you you confess something one time, you can do it ten more times and not have to confess it. That's not true. You still need to repent. Any sin that is unconfessed sin is not forgiven. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Amen. See, I mean, it's like, like it's like I'm bringing a plow back out of the barn right now. Yeah. Some of y'all going, uh, <clears throat> Hey, you're nudging the dirt in my heart. You know, you're you're getting in that area there because you're looking at me going, "Uh, uh, uh. listen. If you haven't confessed in a while, I'm a pretty good sense that you've probably con- sinned in a while. Yeah. But if you haven't confessed in a while, you need to get that stuff under the blood. Yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't repented, you need to get back on track. You need to get back in line with Jesus Christ, amen? He's not slack concerning his promise. As some, listen, as some concern slackness. He's not doing it how you think he's going to do it. Not how you think whether he's slack or not slack. He's doing it how he said he would do it, right? He's not willing. He is not willing. Listen to me. He is not willing. God is not a God that is predetermined some people are going to hell. He's not. And we will stand until the day he comes back on that truth. God didn't create somebody to send them to hell. And that's why they need to repent. Anyone who turns back to Jesus can be born again and saved. I, it does not matter. It does not matter if they murdered somebody. It doesn't matter if they stole it. It doesn't matter if they did it to you. It's a whole different when it's done to somebody else and when they did it to, to you, you know? Did it to you. They, they, they deserved to pay the penalty. Right. Did it somebody else? Let them off the hook. Let them off the hook. Be nice to him. Be kind to him. He's a kind God. He says kindness, though. Listen, His kindness doesn't just get you off the hook. It leads you to repentance. Amen. But the day of the Lord, in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away, And with a great noise, and the elements will melt, melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? So he's saying, with all this huge event that's going to take place. The stage I'm standing on, the pulpit holding my Bible, an iPad, the old coffin here, the eggplant chairs, the carpet, the concrete, everything. All this stuff is going to be dissolved. It's going to be removed. But he didn't say you. He said it. Now, you get a choice whether you're going to burn or not. I get a choice whether I'm going to burn or not. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Heaven and hell, right? Right which is really heaven or hell. It's a choice in our life. Are you with me? So all that going on, all he's really concerned about is that you know what kind of person you ought to be. Did you hear me? Now, we spend the majority of our life in Christianity trying to find out who we are, our identity. I can't even say the word. emigrams or something like that and all these tests and spiritual tests and this test and that test. Fine, do all your tests you want. You're only going to know who you are when you finally know who he is. You can do all those tests, and you can say you're this kind of Christian, that kind of Christian, you're a member of this and a member of that. doesn't matter. Not until you know who he is. We need to spend our time on knowing God. And once you know him, you'll find out who you are. He said, you ought to be dissolved. What manner of persons, the word manner, the word manner, watch this. A characteristic of customary mode of acting. Not, not you act that way one time and then you don't another time. That's called hypocrisy. It becomes your custom. Uh, the, the easiest example, I still open the door, not just for Gretchen, but for women. I open the door for them. Especially when they're carrying something. No, I'm just kidding. If they're carrying something, I try to carry it for them. That's not normal anymore. On the airplane, I sit in aisle seats specifically, and predominantly that's where I sit. But when they're coming down, I always look for the five or six women that are going to be sitting around me. Can I put your suitcase up? Some get mad that I ask. And that's fine. That's, That's their mode. That's what they do. But I'm not going to let other people change what is my custom of what I do. Are you with me? Because I am responsible for me, and you are responsible for you. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Don't call me ma'am, and don't call me sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You don't tell me what to do. My mama raised me. My daddy raised me. And that's just who we are. That's, our, that's my mannerisms. You see, you don't hear much about that anymore. Miss June uh, would come over and teach the students uh, uh, manners and table manners. And, and she said, one of her first openings, I know this so well, she said, what's finger-licking good? Everybody says, Kentucky Fried Chicken. She said, nothing It's finger-licking good. You don't lick your fingers at the table. That's good stuff. That's good teaching right there. That'll pull you in, hook your jaw. Don't talk with your mouth full. What'd you say? What happened to manners? I'll tell you what happened to manners. The enemy started to break down the family and started to break down a generation and started to break down humanity. And because if it could mess with your manners, it gets you further away from good conduct. And then we think we can be sleazy, easy Christians and act however we darn well please and think that we're okay and God's got to put up with us, not us look up to God. So there's been a lot of things under attack. Our mannerisms, our character, manner is a characteristic of customary mode of acting, action or behavior, good manners or conduct. I think it's important to have good manners. Yes. You know, I notice that uh, you know even around the table. May I be excused? How many of y'all grew, grew up that way? Sitting at a table, right? And you say, "May I be excru- excused?" Right? And, and then you say, "What to the who prepared the meal?" Thank you for the meal. Right? How many of y'all are raised like that? Okay. You see, now most people sit around the TV. And TV can't talk back to you. You don't have to ask the TV. You can just stop it and get up and walk off and do whatever you want. It's breaking down the disciplinary action, not just of family, but of good manners, good character. We've gotten slothful and lazy in our behavior. Are you with me? He goes on to say in verse 12. Looking for, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And hastening the coming of the day of God. The coming of the day of God. Now, how can he say the day of God? Well, he was with Jesus, and Jesus said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's going to be with the Father, and God is coming back in his fullness. Amen? He's not coming back in human nature. He's not coming back as the Son of Man. He's coming back as God. Okay? Because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. He's emphasizing something there. Why is he emphasizing that? Because everything you're banked on right now, outside of him, is gone. It's not here. Everything that you've had in your perspective of how you think it is and how you you, you thought it was going to be, it's not going to be that way. There's going to be nothing but like that woman caught in adultery by those perverted religious people. Remember, they're peeking in, waiting to see her do the act so they could catch her in the middle of the act, so they can bring her back. And Jesus is going, oh, you guys, wow. She looks up. He said, where are your accusers? She said, there's none. In other words, everything has just changed. It's not going to be the way she thought it was getting ready to be. Nevertheless, it's a great word. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? What's your your perspective of things? He said there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. It says therein, Dwells righteousness. So there may be some importance to righteousness. Listen to me, church. Uh, We are meant to be a righteous people. Not just positionally, we are righteous because of Jesus Christ. But then Paul said, I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do. That's called transitional righteousness. He's trying to be a better person, he's trying to cuss less. He's trying to pray more, but he finds himself in things that he needs to pray. He's cussing. And, and where, he's, where he's cussing, you know, over here, he should have been praying. He's struggling and wrestling between these two things. Where he should be speaking negative, positive, he's speaking negative. And he's wrestling and saying, something doesn't feel right. So he's transitioning into being righteous. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, <laughs> still being loved. Look at them and saying, "We're being loved, we're being loved." He says, "Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things." Erk. Gretchen has this little thing. He's like, erk, "If you're taking it off his skirt, if you're stopping, it's like, erk. hey, listen, you drive a 15-passenger van for like 20 years, you'll come up with things that make it fun too." Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things. Did you hear this? Looking forward to the earth and the heavens melting? That's right. I'm here to exhort you. I'm here to stir you with divine truths. I have a responsibility on my side. Because there's still a lot inside of us that doesn't want things to change. Change is uncomfortable. Why don't everybody do something with me? Fold your hands like this. You're praying hands, right? All right, now hold them like that. How many of you, your right thumb is over your left thumb? Put your hands up. Right's over left. You're right. Okay, put yours down. How many of all your left thumb is over your right thumb? Hmm. Hold it. Now I want you to do this. Do it opposite. Put the other thumb over the other one. There's always somebody that goes, man, this feels wrong. It's uncomfortable. Hands are still folded. Change is uncomfortable. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. If you're not experiencing uncomfort in these days, you're not changing. We should be changing. Not as the ways of the days but as that one day that is coming. Here's what's so good for us, Mary. Everybody else is looking at days and days and days and days. We just have to look at one day. The day that he returns and live for that day. And nobody knows when that day is coming. Nobody knows but him. Jesus said, I don't even know, guys. I mean, he's going to one day just turn and like, now? But we know that he's already ready, right? We know that he's prepared for this. Change is uncomfortable. I want to encourage you to ask yourself, am I looking forward to these things? Or am I dreading these things? Perspective. And listen to what he says. He said, be diligent. Be diligent. For God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Put some effort some endeavors into this. Look at me, church, please. Are you being diligent in preparing yourself for his return? I did not say, are you prepping? And the aspect, everybody's prepping. Listen, everybody's prepping. Some people are preppers, but everybody's prepping in one way or another. But we need to jump over that hurdle and make sure we're preparing for the return of Jesus Christ. People are putting extreme... Measures out to be prepared for a difficult day. Let me tell you, there's one day much bigger than that day, and that's the day of God. It's the day of God, amen? And we should be looking forward to it, expectantly, the return of Jesus Christ. That's a good day for the believers. That's the best day for the believer, amen? It says, be diligent to be found by him. Over here, Lord, over here, Lord, woohoo! Not just lost in the crowd somewhere. We, we shouldn't be hiding. We, we should be expressive. We shouldn't be putting a bushel over our lamp. Our lamp ought to be burning as bright as it can. And here's a cool thing to be in the light. Light other lamps and they'll get brighter around you. Amen? We should be doing everything we can for him to go, Oh, oh, they're ready. They want me. They're looking towards me. Be found by him, listen, in peace. Not in conflict, not in turmoil, not disgruntled, not in disagreement. Uh, I'm reading a book. I haven't even passed it over to Gretchen yet because it's doing so much inside of me. But I'm reading this book by a friend that sent me that's going to help me be a better husband. For Gretchen and I to be in better agreement. And everyone needs that. Everyone. Everyone needs to be better. Nobody in here is the best you yet. Nobody, but feeding that, being diligent, reading it, taking that time, setting aside, preparing myself as I read my scriptures, as I read my, my lessons, as I read in the midst of those wanting to be a better father, a better friend, a better preacher, whatever it may be, preparing, being diligent. But listen. All those things will only be ruled by whether there's peace in them. Is there peace in your relationships? Is there peace in your business? Is there peace? I can remember, and I might be being a little bit vulnerable at this moment, but we try our best to have the j 38 8 or the school of ministry students to come over during the year to come to our house. And in some of the earlier years, I remember people saying, Man, there's peace in this house. There's peace, and I can feel the peace in this house. That was encouraging. That wasn't encouraging to sit back and rest. That was encouraging to stay diligent in preparing a place because we're to be found in Him in peace. So let me ask you this question Do you have peace with God? Donnie, life's a lot better having peace with God than it was just a few weeks ago, isn't it? It's a whole different perspective. Whole different perspective. Peace with him. And then also goes on and says to be without spot or blemish. That we should be found by him without spot or blameless. Excuse me, blameless, blemish. So you stop and you think about that one and say, I don't know if that's possible. I remember years ago, I was probably in the second or third grade. I don't know. And I got my first pair of white pants, jeans. Anybody have white jeans? Yeah. Got my first pair of white jeans. I remember the store. It's called the Merry-Go-Round. It was, it was a children's store, and we'd get clothes on Fifth Avenue. And and uh, I remember my mom, I mean, going in. It was a big deal. I mean, they saved money. I mean, y'all remember when you had to save money to buy something, right? And then went in there, and they, they bought that pair of jeans. I got all fitted on there and everything. And, and, and uh, the, that was Friday, the birthday party at Cambier Park. Was Saturday, and I wore those white pants to the birthday party. It was DD Graham's birthday party. I can remember I mean, this. It's like as visual. And I got on that slide. I'm talking. I'm talking about that little seven footer slide, you know, right here. It seemed like it was seemed like it was a thousand, seven thousand feet, right? Like a day in a thousand, right? And I get on that slide, zzz, boom, land on my knees, grass stains, bingo, first day, first day, grass stains. White jeans. Now, the reality is there was detergent, and detergent could help get some of that out. But that dis- detergent did not work unless mama scrubbed and worked it out, right? You see, if mama was not willing to work on the jeans, she's the one who bought them and she's the one that gave them to me, if she wasn't willing to work on those, it most likely would not have come out, and I would have had a spot, and I would have had blame for ruining the jeans. What's my point here? It's not abracadabra with God. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I'm pretty good at noticing the spots in other people's white jeans. I'm pretty good at knowing the the, the threads hanging out of there. I'm pretty... I'm really good at this one. People worship the Lord and they still have that unclaimed baggage. Oh yeah! yeah. All the time. All the time. You're like, oh, that that one's on sale too. You know the color code and everything, right? And you just smile with them. You don't tell them. You say, hey, they'll find it eventually. You know. Work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. Get those spots. And your love fest, out. We shouldn't come in here double-hearted, double-minded, single-hearted, single-minded. Love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul. All of our mind. Leave them alone. If that's the way they worship, leave them alone. Take care of your own jeans. Usually people that have stains are people that are trying. They don't just put it on Sunday morning. Still don't know why she let me wear those to that birthday party. Be found without spot, without blemish. Work out your own salvation, fear and trembling. You know, I remember wearing those jeans afterward. I was much more conscientious of what could happen. Right? So he goes on to say, we're getting ready to close this. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Hmm. So what he's saying here is, consider the long suffering that would seems like a thousand years. That just seems like maybe he's not coming back. Maybe it's not just yet. Maybe it's not that long suffering. Just consider this is the Lord's salvation. So what do you mean by that? Well, it's one that he knows there's people that aren't ready yet. They need to get some spots and some blemishes and some blame out. Uh, they need to have some peace in certain areas in their life. I mean, I would venture to say, Donnie, not picking on you, but you're a great example today. I'm sure you're happy that Jesus didn't come back three weeks ago. <laughs> I think we ought to be too. Is there the possibility, I'm just presenting this to you, is there the possibility that there's something in your life and your family and your doings and your ways that isn't ready yet? And that's God's way of saying, I'm saving you. The long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. Him being patient with us is Him trying to save us, not wink at us. As also our beloved brother Paul, so Peter's making reference to Paul, according to the wisdom given to him has written to you, as also in all his epistles. So this an interesting little passage of scripture is that Peter's saying what Paul said. What Paul said is what Peter's saying. We're saying the same thing, guys. Yeah. Yeah. These, these letters work together. Also in all of his epistles, speaking to him these things, which are in some, listen, which are in some things hard to understand. Peter is in a really nice way saying, hey, guys, Paul's a lot smarter than me. And when Paul talks, sometimes it's hard to understand what he's saying. He's saying, I get it. I understand that because some things he says, it takes me a while to scratch my head, too. That's paraphrased. He said some of the things that he's saying, they're hard to understand. And I want to say to you that there may be some things that are hard to understand. And therefore, there's also some things that are hard to stand under. It's hard to stand under conviction. It's hard to stand under truth, especially when you're living a lie. It's hard to have peace when you choose to have war, conflict with people. He says some of these things are hard to understand. And I'll be honest with you. There's times Gretchen and I will look at each other and say, What do you think about this in Daniel? What do you think about this in Ezekiel? I don't get it. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know. I don't know how to comprehend that, but I do know him, and the him that I know, I can trust him with that, that it'll work out the right way. And David even said he's beyond searching and understanding. He said, but here's the concern. He said, in which some things are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people, you know, we probably wouldn't have any problems with we didn't have people. Have you ever thought about that? We probably would not have any problems if we did have people. You heard about the guy. Maybe you read about it. He got lost on an island, deserted island somewhere way out in the Pacific there. And they couldn't find him, could not find him. They just gave up on the search 30 years later, 30 years later. Somebody ends up on this, this island and this search team and they're like, hey, I think there's somebody here they saw a building down there. And they went down and sure enough, there's, there's this guy. And there's this one guy, and there's these three buildings over there. And they're like, sir, and they're a little you know, nervous. And he looks like he's lived there for 30 years or longer. And, and they said, sir, uh, uh, are you alone? Is there anybody else? He said, oh, I'm all alone. I'm it. I've been waiting for you guys for 30. Sir, are you sure you're all alone? I'm sure. They don't know if some tribe's going to come out or something, you know. And they said, well, can we ask you a question? I said, sure. I said, what's that building over there? Well, oh, that's my house. That's where I live. I've lived there for 30 years. We said, what's the other building? I said, that's my church. I stayed faithful even though I was alone. I stayed faithful. They said, what's the other building? He said, that's the church I used to go to. (laughs) Which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. As they do also the rest of scriptures. Friend, there's got to be some twisting out there. Now, I could go and I could say, I think this is twisting, that's twisting, that's twisting. I'm just saying there has to be some out there because the Bible says there is. You and I need to find out, are we twisted? You can make the word of God out to be whatever you want it to be, but it is only meant to be what he said it to be, his authority. You can't take it and turn it around and twist. You can, but you're only harming yourself. And if you're harming yourself... The end result is you're harming other people because you can't love other people unless you love other people the way that you love yourself. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yeah. Granted, some things are hard to be taught, but they can be, that hard to be understood, but they can be taught and trained. Don't twist the scriptures. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, we're not going there. It, it conveys to and shows us that understanding comes through knowledge of the Holy One. I just I just don't understand. I don't understand why, why, why they lift their hands. I don't understand why they dance. I don't understand why they shout. I don't understand why they pray. I don't understand why they, I don't, and we go through all these things. Understanding comes through knowledge of the Holy One. Knowing God is where you'll get your understanding. Uh, Don't accept, I just understand those people. Therefore, you're going to have to understand those people. And and if you just understand people for being people, you might be be, uh, influencing people to be wrong because you understand that's who they are. Because their culture is that way. uh, Because their past is that way. Because this, and they may not ever get healed. They may not get the spots and the blemishes out of their life. Because we just accept him. Are you with me? Yes. Verse 17. There's just two verses left. You therefore, beloved. You therefore, beloved. Since you know this beforehand, beware. Remember we said aware earlier. Beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. He who thinks he stands, be careful lest he may fall. Listen, there's a twisted out there that you can't fall. He said, you therefore, beloved, since you know this before him, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. Listen to this. Being led away with the error of the wicked. If it didn't matter, why would it matter to him? This is probably one of my biggest concerns as a preacher and as a minister. 30 some years now, 34 going on 35 years. Is that people think they can can start in the spirit and finish in the flesh. Paul said to the Galatians, he said, you can't do that. No, you can't go back to your old ways. And you can't keep living in the flesh and think that you're going to get the results of the spirit. You just can't do it. Here he's saying, literally, be careful lest you fall from your steadfastness and you're led away by the air of the wicked. Beloved, remembering your love. Beware. Remember being mindful is being aware lest you fall away and don't be stable. Led away by the air of the wicked. Who are the wicked? That's a good question because they can lead you away. Remember, we started this whole thing, don't let anyone deceive you. 2 Peter chapter 7, I won't go through it all. It says, delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Oh, what's happening? Well, Lot wasn't very righteous, but he went over and he delivered him out of that. You have to be delivered out of the oppression of the wicked conduct and wicked behavior. If you're finding yourself being entertained with wickedness, there's wickedness being sowed in you. Always baffles me, people that don't understand why they're having terrible bad dreams, but yet they watch horror shows and stuff like that. It, it can be that simple. As 2 Peter 2, it, it goes on the false prophets, the false teachers, the doomsday people there. He said, he said you got to be careful of these people. Here we go. Verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about Jesus having two names, yet three names? And there's other names that go with them, but right here, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. We knew him as Jesus, name above every name. He has to be Lord to be your Savior. And he has to be the Christ to fulfill all the promises God had in him, the yes and amens, and have the anointing to break the yoke to set you free from your conformity to this world, to deliver you and set you free. But he says, grow in the grace and knowledge. You know this as well as I do. For we are saved by grace through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast, right? So here he says grow in grace, but he doesn't say grow in faith. Yeah, he does. The only way for you to grow in your faith is to grow in your knowledge of God. The more knowledge of God you have, the more your faith can expand. The more your faith can trust, the more your faith is willing to obey. So getting to know God is essential for your faith to work. Getting to know God is essential for your faith to finish. Your faith, when when you know somebody, I had a little experience uh, uh, in the pre-service prayer time back in the the OC this morning. I went over to little uh, Luke, uh, uh, Josiah and Sarah's uh, little uh, buddy Luke there, and I went over, and and he had cowboy boots on, and I just kind of Touched his boot and kind of put my foot on their little imprint on it. And I, he smiled at me and I smiled at him. Now, now Luke and I know each other. He knows who I am. He knows I'm Pastor Greg. He knows I'm G Daddy. He knows I'm. I work in the same offices as his family. He he. There's things he knows about me. He knows that I've never, I've never hurt him. Never hurt him. He he knows me. So we're getting ready to pray, and all of a sudden he just comes out of the corner of my eye, and I can see his mom reaching. You know, it's like, oh no! And he comes over, and he's got those boots on. It, and he goes, Mm-hmm-hmm. he just put it in there, and planted one on my foot, and he smiled at me and walked off. And I was like, and I said, "Mom, I'll leave him alone. He's good. I did." She goes, "I know you did it first. I know you did it first. <laughs> Why did he do that? He has knowledge of me. Yeah. He can do big things around me. Bigger than what I even did to him because he has knowledge of me. He knew he's going to be all right to do that. You see, when you know God, even as a little boy and a little girl with your own little fake cowboy boots on, you can do bigger things. You can stomp on the head of the devil, you can tear the roof off, you can carry people in, and you can bring, because you've been healed, you know they can be healed. You know that God can do these things. That's the God we serve, and we get to know Him. And make him known. But grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Pastor Joel, if you'd join me. Matter of fact, if you like, you can stand to your feet. I'm gonna declare some scriptures over you. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is it. This is our our altar call. Unless you would like someone to pray with you this morning, there will be people here waiting to pray with you, to agree with you. If you just want to come spend time with the Lord, you can do that. If perhaps this this morning when I pray that prayer and and you, uh, you decide you get saved and you're saying, hey, I want to get baptized, come on up here. We'll baptize you. We'll baptize you. We'll be glad to do that. But I declare these words over you, the words of the Apostle Paul when he penned them to the Corinthians. And I, brethren, when I came to you, how many of y'all like Paul to show up at your meeting? Yeah. When I came to you, it did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, knowing God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, if he could have as effective ministries as he had, knowing God, and knowing Jesus. Listen, knowing the prophets of old, the prophets of God, and knowing the apostles of Jesus Christ. He said, that's all I need to know. Matter of fact, everything else that I knew, I threw it away like dung. I threw it away like filthy rags. He said, I set it aside because it was hindering me to know God. Oh, boy. Maybe I need to start. You can sit back down if you want. I might need to preach another message here. Did you hear me? I got news for you. You will not know God through social media. Oh, you can say, oh, oh, but I listen to brother so-and-so and so. No, no. You're getting to know him. You're getting to know her. You're not getting to know God. You're not going to get to know God through your secular humanism. You're not going to. I'm sorry you're not. That's not God. Paul said, Paul said, I threw all that away because it was hindering me from knowing him. What do you mean knowing him? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what I mean. Power of resurrection and the fellowship of suffering. It's getting so difficult. It's so hard. It's so dark out there. It's so this... Do you have peace? You must have peace with it. It's gonna be hard out there. It's gonna be difficult, but to know God. Jesus, the very words of Jesus. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Did you hear what he said? This is eternal life. That they would know you, and they would know Jesus. Jesus is talking. The spirit life. The spirit is saying you have to know Jesus, and you have to know God to have eternal life. Listen, not just believe in them, know them. Did you hear me? I know I can feel your flesh just boiling on the inside. It's okay. It's okay. This is an inspiration to know God. I don't know where you are in the journey of your life. I don't know what you're facing, what you're up against. We're all going through something. I am, you are. I wrote in my, I wrote in my journal this morning, and I said, I present myself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is my reasonable act of worship, no longer conform to this world, but be transformed. This is before I went into the scriptures. I'm facing things, you're facing things. We need peace with God. In closing, John wrote it this way, the beloved. Have you ever noticed there's people who represent God or represent a team or a product, and there's some people that represent God that you just don't feel comfortable around, you don't feel like they care about you, and then there's those you're like, I feel like they love God and they and they love me. And you want to listen to the lover more, right? Right? Or the person that 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 uh, has a team in? They're always negative about the team, and, and if you don't believe in their team or their product or whatever, anything, nothing else is good, right? And they're harsh and a miss out. They're legalistic. Or there's a person say, hey, if this could be helpful to you, you're much more open to that, right? John's the beloved. John is the beloved. He's the guy that laid up against the breast of Jesus, okay? He had a very personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And he says it this way He says, My little children, that's one way of saying you're loving, significant. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Hallelujah, right? We're like, hallelujah, and then we stop, and we stop right there, we go, yes, I'm righteous because he's righteous, I'm good with God because God's good for me, and he says, now by this this, we know that we know him, here we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments, You can take your Episcopalian, your well family worship center, your Baptist, your Pentecost, you can take all that stuff and throw it to the wind, unless you know him. He didn't say if they know about me, or if they know the way that some impressive preacher preaches it, he said, if they know me. Now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments he who says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him beloved but whoever keeps his word truly the love of God is perfected in him by this we know that we are in him he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked okay, let me say two things keep his commandments keep his words Prophets of God, apostles of Jesus. We live in this and we need to live according to these words. We can't cut that off and we can't leave this out. We need to live according to the teachings in the word of God. His commandments and his word. So what's the point? That's how you get to know him. Find God in the Ten Commandments, not just hanging on the wall somewhere. Hear Jesus, not just just read about him, but hear his word. Hear his teachings. His commandments and his word. God and Jesus bring them together. It is written. It is written. Listen to this. Jesus said, it is written. It is written. He shared two Old Testament scriptures. And he said, it has been said. Written word, written word, spoken word. That's how Jesus did it. That's how you and I can do it. All I want to say to you this morning is it's time to know God. It is time to know God. If you're still wrestling against something else I said, that's your flesh, not mine. That's your flesh. Pursue God. Seek God while he may be found. Know God. And once you get that flame of knowing Him, you share that with somebody else. That's what church is about, is to know God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, we ask that you would bring revelation to the heart that hungers for you. You said if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled by you. Lord, we have already cried out that you would pour out your spirit. And Lord, I ask you to bring revelation to our lives. Lord, I thank you that we chose to be here today. Lord, may we walk away with it imprinted upon us to know God, to know God, to know Jesus, the Lord and Savior, the Christ, the Redeemer. Oh, that we may know you according to your commandments and according to your word, that we would thirst for that and hunger for that. Lord, we've prayed for sick bodies. I ask that you would heal. Lord, we prayed for discouraged souls. I ask that you would encourage. Lord, we have cried out to heaven, and I come in agreement with that prayer. Open the heavens over our lives today, Lord. Father, we have offered a salvation plan to know Jesus and to know the Father. That is eternal life. For anybody who does not know Jesus or does not know the Father personally in your own relationship with them, if that's you and you want to be born again today, lift your hand up in the air pray this prayer with me Lord Jesus, everybody Lord Jesus, I want to know you I want to know you as a savior and I want to submit to you as a lord of my life I ask you today as the preacher said to forgive my sins for I have sinned and fallen short of your glory today save me Redeem me and make me a new creature in you. In your name I pray, amen. Can we give the Lord a praise this morning? I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the Word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we can tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God Himself. And I thank you for the word that has been heard. I thank you for the word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may the Lord find great delight in you and may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you and may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.